Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Part of our DNA is that we are passionate worshippers. Now we've looked at the first part of our DNA, which is that we are radically Bible-based. And we saw that the DNA that God puts in us from His Word, His Word is the seed that goes in and puts some new DNA, some spiritual DNA in us. We know from 1 Peter 1 that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which endures forever. So we are given new DNA, which makes us born again. It overrides, it can override if we allow it, our natural DNA. It makes us a new race of a new family. Galatians tells us that if we have been baptized, we have put on Christ and we are now part of Abraham's family and God's family. So we get a new DNA. And as a church, we're saying, what is that DNA? Obviously, the Bible must be a big part of that DNA for any church, but especially for our church. Last week, various of our preachers at various venues spoke about how worship is part of our DNA. And I want to continue that today and speak about worship. Next week, we'll speak about how the miraculous Holy Spirit and His power and gifts are part of our DNA. And then the last part will be our intentional world outreach view is part of our DNA. But today, I want to conclude about worship by saying that worship is already part of our DNA. It really is. We love to worship. If you come to our services, especially our Nations Day service. Once a year, we worship God. We wear national costume from all of our different countries. We bring food and we eat different foods from different countries, but we worship God in different languages, just like a picture of Revelation. In Revelation, it speaks about every tribe, every language, every nation, every tongue, worshiping God in heaven. And we do that in our church. Every opportunity we get, we worship. We have prayer meetings, which are extraordinary. Everybody prays passionately. We are passionate about worship. But part of this DNA series, this DNA teaching, is to say, yes, that is what we already are. But there is so much more that we could be. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 speaks of us looking at God's glory as in a mirror. And it's speaking of the Bible as the mirror. So we look at what God's word says about God's glory. But it's also saying that glory, that spiritual DNA is in us. And it says, as we gaze on that glory as in a mirror, we are transformed from glory to glory into that same image. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're saying, yes, this is part of our church's DNA. If you're a visitor with us, welcome. We love to worship God. But we're saying it's part of what we want our DNA to be and what God's word says our DNA should be. You say, does God's word say that we should be worshipers and passionate worshipers? Yes, it does. You know, during this coronavirus time, there have been rules for all the different sectors of society and how they would come out of lockdown. There have been rules for the 
entertainment sector, for the hospitality sector, for retail, for travel, for tourism, for uh, commerce, for industry, for restaurants. And the sector that we are in is called houses of worship because the world understands that the defining factor of us as Christians and as churches is that we come together to worship. Did you know that? Did you realize that? Sometimes the truth is so true and so obvious and so foundational that we can forget that our purpose when we come together as Christians and as churches, our purpose is worship. We are worshipers. And sometimes we can forget that. We can get busy with relationships with each other or with trying to gain knowledge in our heads about God's so that we become very clever and knowledgeable, but we've forgotten worship. We've forgotten the passion of worship. You know, when Jesus wrote his seven letters in the book of Revelation to the seven churches in Asia Minor, for three of them, the problem that he had with them, the correction that he wanted to tell them they needed to make was that they had lost their passion in worship. So the Ephesian church, he said, your labor in, in service for the Lord is good. Your pursuit of truth and knowledge is good. You've checked out who's true and who's false. You know correct doctrine. You're hardworking. But he said, you've lost your first love, your passion, your worship. And if you don't get it back, your church will die. He says, your lampstand will be removed. Passion in worship is so important. Two of the other churches also, he said to the one, he said, you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. You're not passionate for God or passionate against God. You're just blah. You're just beige. You're just boring. And he says, because of that, I must spit you out of my mouth. Because if you were passionate against God, then you would receive the the consequences of that and it would make you turn back to God. If you were passionate and hot for God, then you would be worshiping passionately. But lukewarmness, just being averagely passive and not being passionate in worship is a dangerous place. And Jesus says, I must push you to one or the other. And then the other church, he says, you have a reputation for being alive, but actually inside you're dead. There's no passionate worship. So we want to be passionate worshipers. I believe we are already passionate worshipers, but we've got a long way to go. Amen. Some of us are more passionate in worship than others. And some of us demonstrate it outwardly more than others. And yet sometimes those who are not demonstrating it actually are passionate in worship because it's an inward thing. It's, a, it's an attitude of our heart, of heartfelt worship. Several of our preachers last week quoted the scripture from John chapter 4, 24, where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And he says that the time is coming and is now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. You know, God is looking to see who is worshiping him. Did you know that? God is looking to see who is worshiping him because those who are worshiping him are his. They are his people, his family, his bride, his children. You know, when I'm out and about in public, I can tell my wife from everyone else because of the way she loves me 
there's, there's a relationship and a bond. And that is similar to the worship. God can tell who his bride is, not by how much people know in their heads, not by how much work and service they do, although those things are good and helpful and important, but it's worship. It's, it's a worshipful attitude. He says the true worshipers, God is looking for the true worshipers, not those who say they are worshipers, the true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, it's heartfelt. It's from their very center of their being. It's spiritual worship and it's in truth. It's not an act or it's not an outward mask. It is something that is real. They really worship. So what is worship? We had some great definitions of worship last week, and I'm grateful to the wonderful preachers last week. I just want to summarize it in a slightly simple way. I want to say that worship is two things. It's telling God how great he is. That's number one. And it's acting in a way that pleases him. That's number two. That is worship. Telling God how great he is. So that involves singing, praying, speaking words out, saying, God, you're amazing. God, I love you. God, thank you. God, you're wonderful. Quoting back the scriptures to him, telling him how great he is. Telling God how great he is. And sometimes that just means by uh, the words we use in public, when everyone else is swearing, we don't swear. That's a, a message we're giving of how great God is to us because we are willing to put him first above the opinions of others around us. So telling God how great he is and demonstrating that, that God is great. God is first. God is amazing. God is wonderful. He is above every other person, name, thing in our lives and in the world. Telling God how great he is is the first part of worship. And God says, I want those to worship in spirit and in truth. He wants it to come out when we tell him how much we love him in spirit and in truth. Genuine, heartfelt, singing, praying, speaking, acting, telling him how great he is in spirit and in truth. The second part of worship is acting in a way that pleases him. So I say, God, what do you want? What makes you happy? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? What choices do you want me to make? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to treat other people? God, what is it that you want? Because I want to please you because you are God. You are important. You are special to me. And as I act in a way that pleases him, I am worshiping him because I'm saying you are God, Lord. You are above me. You are worthy of obedience and love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So saying how great he is and acting in a way that pleases him. Very simple, but that's worship. But now can I ask, are we really passionate worshipers? Because some of the things that we say are worship, sometimes we're singing a song, sometimes we're praying a prayer, sometimes we're acting out, doing some religious activity like coming to church or praying for someone or giving money in the offering or whatever it is. What is the reason behind that? Am I doing it to say to God, God, you are great? Because if I am, then it is worship. It is true worship in spirit and truth. Or am I doing it to pretend to be religious, to impress someone, to influence someone, to, to get my point across, to show people how well I can pray in public, whatever it is. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Because if it is to show him how great he is and to please him, then it is worship in spirit and in truth.
I just want to read you one more verse and unpack it a little bit today. As I said, we are passionate worshipers. I love the worship in our church, but we want to be more. We want to look in this mirror of God's word and see what a passionate worshiper looks like. And then we want to become more and more like that. We want to be changed into that image. So Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, Jesus is speaking and he says, And you shall love the Lord your God. You shall love the Lord your God. This speaks of worship. It's, it's that heartfelt worship, that passionate, emotional worship. But listen to what he says. He, he defines it for us. He says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And so I want to use this verse to try and define what passionate worship is. The first thing I realize is that he says with all of our heart, soul, mind, which are the inward parts of us. Now, the Greek and the Hebrew words for heart, for soul, for spirit, for mind, for emotions, they get mixed up because it's quite hard to separate. What is, what is mind? What is will? What is emotions? What is spirit? What is soul? It's quite hard to differentiate those. But what is clear from this verse is he says, all of your heart, soul, mind, which means everything within you, all of your emotions, all of your spiritual energy, all of your mental faculties, your mind, all of your will and deciding, all of you, all of the inside of you, mind, will, and emotions, and spirit. He says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind. That's your inward being, your personality, and your your inward characteristics. But then he also says, with all your strength, which is your body, your physical activity. So God defines worship as loving him, telling him how great he is, and acting in a way to please him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's look at those briefly, one by one. I'm going to say that heart, in this case, means emotion. Now, it could be that soul includes emotion, but understand they're all included in heart, soul, and mind. So let's just say heart equals emotion. We often speak of heart as speaking of emotion. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart means we get emotionally attached to him. We get emotionally moved when we speak of him or speak to him, when we tell him how great he is, when we act in obedience to please him, not because it's comfortable or nice for us. When we worship him uh, and we show emotion or some emotion is aroused within us, that is true worship. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Can I ask you, do you get emotional in worship? You might say, oh, I don't want to get over emotional. You know, God put emotions in us. God put emotions there and we are happy to express them. If we win the lottery, if a girl wants to go on a date with us, if a football team wins a, a cup. But for God, we must show our emotion. There is something wrong if we obey God and we love him with our body or with our mind, but not with our emotions. Amen. We should be emotional. James last week spoke about the lady with the alabaster jar who came into Jesus. Jesus was in a 
a meal with some Pharisees, a very respectable meal, polite. Everybody was speaking the right words and it was all formal and polite. And this lady came in who had been a prostitute. She let down her hair, which was unheard of. It, it was not done in public. And she broke a, a jar with some perfume and she poured it on Jesus' feet. Then she starts crying and she starts wetting his feet with the tears from her eyes and taking her hair and drying his feet. And the emotion is just pouring out of this woman. The Pharisee is critical and Jesus tells a little story, but he basically says to the Pharisee, this lady is forgiven and she knows it and she's aware and she is emotional about it. You are not emotional. Are you really forgiven? And it, it's a picture of worship. We break open that alabaster jar of our heart, our reserved emotions. We should be free to express our emotions. Passionate worship. Are you? In speaking of God's love and in acting in obedience, do you get emotional? I often get emotional when I'm listening to worship songs or when I'm singing worship songs or when I'm reading the Bible I must admit, even now, I'm starting to well up. But God's power and His love is an emotion-stirring thing. And we must include our hearts. We must love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. Then he says soul. And I'm going to say that soul in this case means your decision-making ability. That part of you which says, I will do this. And I will stick at this for as long as it takes. You know, when a couple get married, we're having a wedding in our church in a couple of weeks time and a couple are going to stand at the front and in front of God and in front of a group of people, they're going to say, I promise to be faithful to you and to be married to you and to love you and honor you for the rest of my life. Whether I am sick or healthy, whether you are sick or healthy, whether we're rich or poor, whether things go well or things go badly, I am promising for the rest of my life to be committed to you. And that is your deciding factor, your will. And God says, love the Lord your God with your will, which means that stick at itness, that stubbornness. You know, I have some friends who have been missionaries in very, very difficult places. Uh, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, various other countries of the world. I, I know several people who have committed 20, 30, 40 years of their lives to being missionaries in difficult circumstances away from their families, their loved ones, what they know to be familiar. And they are doing it simply because they are worshiping Jesus and they are loving God with all their soul. Not because it's easy, not because they're getting a benefit out of it. They're not getting money out of it. They're not getting credit from the crowds. They are simply saying, I will serve Jesus because he is Lord. And I want to ask you, are you passionately worshiping God with your soul? Are you the kind of person who says, I'm in this, Lord Jesus, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, I will serve you. I will obey you. I will follow you. I will love you. I will go wherever you lead me and do whatever you ask me to do, because that is passionate worship. Are you loving the Lord with all your soul? And friends, you can. You can do this. You can do this. The story that I love is of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, where the, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, puts up this big statue and he says, worship the statue. And these three young Hebrew men say, we will not worship. We only worship God. And he says, I'm going to throw you into the fire. And they say, let me just see if I can find that 
It's in Daniel chapter 3. They say, If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They said, we believe in God and he's able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, for whatever reason, which he knows, even if things are hard, no matter how long it takes, no matter how difficult it gets, we are serving God, loving God with all of your soul. The third one is your mind. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And this means your intellect. We worship God when we learn about him. That verse that I quoted from 2 Corinthians 3.18 that says, As we look in a mirror at His glory, we are changed into that same glory, that same image, from glory to glory. And that's talking about learning about God. As we study Him, we learn more about His character and His nature. We are changed. The DNA that's already in us, that spiritual DNA, starts to manifest itself more and more in our lives. We've got to understand God. We worship Him with our minds. It's not just blind emotion. It includes emotion. It includes will. But there is a mental element of learning more and more and more about God. But it's got to be learning about Him with emotion and passion and will. Whenever you start to separate the one from the other, you are not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength any longer. We've got to learn about God. You know, Daniel, I've just quoted from the book of Daniel. Daniel set himself to understand things and he fasted in Daniel chapter 10. He fasted for three weeks to understand. He says, I want to understand God. And at the end of three weeks, an angel appeared and explained a whole lot of things to him. And it was because he was worshiping God, fasting, doing without food in order to get his mind enlightened. And we worship God when we learn with a view to obey. When we learn with a view to obey, not with a view to become puffed up and knowledgeable or seem clever to other people, with a view to obey, that is worship. And then the last one is love the Lord your God with all your strength. That means your body, your energy, your effort, activity. That means in church we clap, we stand, we kneel, we dance, we run, we shout, we use our body, we are active. So many times in the Bible it talks about raising your hands. Uh, in, in Timothy he says, I want men to raise holy hands in prayer. There are so many times in the Bible it says kneel, bow, jump, shout, dance. There are so many activities where we use our bodies and we're told in Colossians 3 that when we work, I'm talking about your job, your secular work, where you use your energy and your activity and your abilities. He says, when we work, we are working as to the Lord. It is worship. Remember, worship is telling God how great he is and doing things that please him. And when you do a good job as a lawyer, as a teacher, as a mum, as an accountant, as a street cleaner, whatever your job is, when you do it with all your heart and you say, Lord, I'm serving you. I want to be a good witness to others of you and your love and your ability to do a good job. But also I am here and available doing a good job to minister to those around me and to tell others about you. When you serve God and you do your work with your energy for him, you are worshiping. You know, Paul, 
the apostle went to Ephesus. It was the last church he planted out of all those years of planting churches, out of all those churches he planted. And the very last one, he decided he was going to work every day making tents. And he sweated and the aprons and the sweat handkerchiefs that he used in his daily work would be taken and put on sick people and they would get healed because your work is worship. And when we worship God with our strength, and that includes our money, you know, the money you get at the end of every month is a measure of the effort you've put in. It's, it's like quantifying the energy and the effort and the work that you have done for that month. And so when I give my money to God, he says, you are worshiping me. You are honoring me. You are telling me how great I am and how important I am to you. King David is the best example of this. When he brings the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, he's dancing and whirling about. He's, he's doing aerobics to an extreme level to worship God, to show how much he worships God. Then he, he obeys God over long periods of time. He puts in activity and energy. And then he takes all his wealth. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 2. David speaking, Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. With all my might. Gold for the things to be made of gold. Silver for the things of silver. Bronze for the things of bronze. Iron for the things of iron. Wood for the things of wood. Onyx stones. Stones to be set. Glistening stones of various colors. All kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. The gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, and he goes on. Uh, to explain how much he's given. David worshiped God with all his might, his heart, his soul, his decisions, his mind, he understood, but also he physically worshiped God. Friends, can I ask, how are you doing with being a passionate worshiper, worshiping God, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And we are at a level, but we want to be at a greater level. Lord God, help us. Show us how far we've come, but also how far we can go. Lord, I want to worship you in spirit and truth. I know you're looking for worshipers, true worshipers who will worship you. And God, I put myself in your hands. I say, Lord, I want to worship you with everything I have, all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.